Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast listeners. I want to welcome you to our service. So glad that you're here with us. Um, My name is George, and I'm so happy that you're tuned in to listen to this podcast today. Uh, Today is, is a different sort of day. Well, it's September 1st, 2019. I've talked about in the past how fast this year is going by, and my, oh my, here we are in September of 2019. We're still in the study of King David. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you want to get your Bibles and follow along, that would be awesome. Uh, But we are going to take a little bit of a twist. About halfway through, I'm going to jump over to the New Testament and give us some scripture out of Luke uh, chapter 5. I think you will enjoy it. I I hope that you uh, are enjoying the podcast, and certainly we always welcome you to contact us, to talk to us, to come out and see us here in Tuolumne. Um, Even if you want to email me, I'll give you my email address. It's it's really simple. It's Pastor George SR, which stands for senior, Pastor George SR, all one word, at gmail.com. Please shoot me an email. Tell me how much you appreciate the podcast or what you would like to hear or see different. Um, would love, just love to hear from you and know that, uh, that people out there care and that you're enjoying um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to get started here in just a few minutes. If, you, if you're not or haven't yet found the podcast and been able to listen to our messages when you're not here, just ask Damon Cleary. He'll show you how to hook it up. Because, you know, when he misses a Sunday, he, he listens. And it, it lifts him. And it lifts me when he tells me that he's listening. So if you're having any trouble technology-wise and can't find the podcast, let someone know. We'll help you out. We'll help you get it so you can pick up a message. Even, you know, sometimes you got to hear the same one over and over again before you finally get it. I know I do. I, I, I have to sometimes listen to stuff over and over, and finally, the, all of a sudden, the Lord will go, you getting it? Finally? Yes, Lord, I'm think so. So we're still in King David, 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is a great place. I've been looking forward to getting to this chapter. And then I'm going to make a hard right there towards the end of it, and I'm going to take you over to Luke. We're going to talk about Jesus for a little bit. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. Amen. He said to to Nathan, the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, 
Go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I'm going to stop there. We're going to talk about this for a little bit. He said, go ahead, go tell David. So God is going to be speaking to David personally through the prophet Nathan. This is a time of rest for David. This, there are no major wars going on right now. He's, he's settled into his new palace, enjoying the blessings of God. I personally find myself relating to this scripture. And I must tell you that it's a wonderful place to be. Of course, I'm not comparing myself to King David. It's certainly not as bad ways. But he's, he's in a place that is so good. He's always known that he was to be king of Israel. He knew since, since Samuel had anointed his head when he was 15 years old. But the battles and the hardships, it took a long time to get here. And I believe at times it was unbearable for David hiding in caves, knowing that there was an army looking to kill you, to harm him at every turn. But now he's living in a palace with his many wives and lots of children. Right now, life for David is good, and he wanted to do something good for God. Okay, pastor, how do you relate to that? Well, it's easy. People, I've got to tell you, I'm living my dream. Being your pastor. I am where I have always known that God had called me when I was a child to be a pastor, but for most of my life I ran. I ran from God. Even when I was in church, I was running from God because I knew there was a calling on my life, but I couldn't read. And I said, God, how can a man who doesn't know how to read lead? That was just an excuse. It was a lie from the pit of hell. The Lord is healing me from dyslexia. As a child, you might as well have tried to teach me to read Chinese. And I still struggle. But I thank you that you're patient with me. I mispronounce words. I, I mutilate names. I uh, sometimes can't even read what's on the page in front of me. And you, you're patient. And I thank you for that. It helps me to know that it's okay. God is healing me with this, this disorder. But of course, there were many other negative reasons why I ran from God. They were all lies. They were all deceptions as to why I felt I was unworthy to serve God, a God that I knew loved me. I don't have the time to explain my life history, but what I'm asking you to do is to believe me when I say where I'm at right here, right now, is a miracle. It's a miracle for me, and it truly is my place of rest. Yeah, I work hard, but it is my place of rest. When you find that joy of your life, you're, you're in a place of rest. I couldn't think or want to be anywhere else, but standing right here, right now, it's a miracle. I would never brag about my life 
as if I were wealthy or, or because, you know, I expect some kind of honor or respect uh, for my accomplishments because I have none. God gets the glory. It's him who has carried me all the way through this life. Even when I was not walking with him, he was there. He was always there. It only took me 67 years to find this place of peace that surpasses all understanding. And for some of you, there's a few of you in here that have known me for a number of years and can remember some of the life that I've lived and, and even a Christian life that was a struggle. God now has blessed me with a wife that loves me more than I deserve. And she has really no strange issues. Uh-oh. Okay. Is that better? Hello? Okay, much better. She has no really any strange issues. She's honest to a fault. We live in a little house that's perfect for two. I have a job besides being your pastor that I see every day as a ministry opportunity. Every day as a ministry opportunity. That's why I hang on to it. I have two of the cutest little dogs you ever saw, and they love me the most, don't they? They love him more than me. All my kids are healthy and strong with six grandchildrens. Oh, yeah, they all have issues, some health issues, some other issues. Some of them are just like me, hard-headed. But God has them. They are the seed of the righteous. It's been a little more than a year since you chose me to be your pastor. And if I haven't told you lately how much I love you, all of you, let me say it now. I don't care if it seems like I'm a little tired, a little wore out. You guys hired an old guy. but I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life. I'm no longer searching for a church that would have me. I don't drive around looking at buildings thinking, oh, I could start a church over there. Oh, I could start a church. Ask Joe. She'll tell you. Ask Jim. I drove him crazy looking around. I could start a church over there. I could start one over there. I knew that God had a plan and a purpose. I just didn't know where. Certainly, I didn't imagine it would ever be here. And here I am. It's absolutely amazing. So yes, I do relate to David right here. It's a time of peace. It's a place where development happens. And this church is in a place that, that needs It needs to happen. Development needs to happen. And we must find a way to attract new families to come. I've had people ask me, well, are you concerned or do you worry when people leave? No. I don't get worried. I get concerned. I don't want anybody to leave. Let me say that. I don't want anybody to leave. You're all mine and you can't go. But honestly, 
if, if God is calling you to go somewhere else, or you believe that you need to be somewhere else, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And if it's not here, then it's not here. It's either your choice or God's plan. This is his house. It's his will that we who are here, we're here to minister the gospel of love to this community. And that's what we're here to do. I've had people say, well, pastor, I feel like our church is in a place of transition. Things are changing. Yes, amen, they are. Have you looked in the mirror lately? We're all changing. We're all getting older. It frightens me sometimes when I walk by a mirror and I go, who was that guy? You know, yeah, it frightens me. We're all changing and and we have to grow in development and we have a job to do here. The church must be transforming. It must be able to greet and meet the next generation's spiritual needs. The only thing that doesn't change is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's the only thing that doesn't change. Music changes. Procedures change. Sometimes things change. And I'm not saying I'm going to flip the place upside down and we're going to start having flashing lights. I'm I'm just telling you that we need to get to work. We need the next generation coming to church. And it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher to draw them in. I have the great opportunity of working with young men and women every day, and I constantly am asking, what are you looking for in a church if you go, if you decide to go? And I hear some pretty interesting things. So let's get back to to this message. I entitled this one, Creative Collaboration. God is speaking to David through Nathan the prophet. Let's look at verse 6. This is God speaking now. He says, I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt to this day, but I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved all the Israelites, Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I not say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd, who I commanded to shepherd, why have you not built me a house of cedar? God never did that. Verse 8, it says, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took from you from a pasture, from tending flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make your name great like names of the greatest men on earth. Wow. I will provide a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. 
and have done ever since that, that time. I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will rise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Wow. Verse 14 says, I will be his father and he will be my son. Man, don't you want him to say that about your kids? Praise God. And he does because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When he does wrong, I will punish him with rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house, your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all these words of this entire revelation. And David went and sat before the Lord. And I'm only going to give you the first three words of what he said. He said, who am I? Who am I? This is amazing. God, the creator of everything, is going to build a house for David. Do you think he's talking about a physical house? He's talking about a nation. He's talking about a lineage. He's talking about a house that Jesus Christ will come out of, is what he's talking about. I believe he is referring to a family, a lineage, a nation, a lineage that Jesus will come out of. God needs us to tell his story. That's why I've decided to take you to a different story this morning, one that I believe you've all heard before, but maybe not quite like this. Jesus is just getting started in his ministry. He hasn't chosen his disciples yet, but he's about to meet some of them. What Jesus is about to do, you know, we might even consider to be borderline illegal. It's a great story. Let's look at Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing at the lake how do you pronounce that word? Genesteret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Man, isn't that great? They were listening to the word of God. That just gets me. They weren't just listening to Jesus. They were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of them. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. I think this is kind of an interesting thing. None of you are looking like that strange. 
you know. You realize what one of these boats are? This is, this, this is only people who had money had boats. And this was a tool. This was by far more than just a mode of transportation to get across the lake. So if you don't think this is strange at all, go out after church, pick the nicest car in the parking lot, open the door, and sit yourself down. And then when the owner comes up and says, uh, hey, you're, you're in my car, you can say, well, I seen you were sitting here in front of the church, and I noticed you had a Jesus fish on the back of your, back of your bumper there. Uh, you must be a Christian, so I'm in need of it. Could I have your keys? How do you think that's going to go? That, that's pretty ridiculous, huh? So think about this. There was no uh, lease agreement. There was no uh, conversation going on. He got the boat and sat in it. This guy that was, you know, going around preaching, nobody really knew who he was. He was this, this kind of charismatic, hippie-looking guy, you know, that was going around. Nobody, they're, they're going, what? All right. You want to sit in my boat? You can sit in my boat. I think it's a little bit strange, and I, I'm just amazed. What if Simon had said no? Get out of my boat. Imagine that. I don't think it would have been a problem. There's another boat sitting right there. He'd have just gotten that one. He'd have just, he'd have just moved boats. He'd have just got into the next one. Have you ever thought or wondered why Jesus chose Peter? It was Simon, Simon Peter. We all know his name was Simon. And I have. I've often wondered why God would choose Peter. I mean, think about it. I mean, he was, he was arrogant. He was boastful. He, he was violent. I mean, you don't just go around cutting ears off unless you grew up in some kind of, you know, violent uh, situation, you know? I mean, he, he, he cussed. He had a foul mouth. Remember it? Remember him cussing when they were saying, oh, you're with Jesus. And, you know, blam, blam, blam. No, I'm not. It just isn't, it's, it's the kind of man that he was. Why would God choose him? This guy's got all kinds of dysfunction going on. But the creator of everything, the creator of everything, wants to get into a boat. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. So then he asked him, he said, can you push me out just a little bit from shore? And, you know, I could, I could see, you know, Peter thinking, the guy's in my boat. I've been, just been fishing all night, and I, we didn't catch nothing. Now he's sitting in my boat. Now he wants me to push him out. All right, I'll push him out. So he did. And he sat and he taught the people. I've always wondered why God chose Peter. And my honest answer, opinion, it's because he had a boat. It's because he had a boat. And he needed it. But can you, can you kind of, this Jesus is the creator of the world. He was there from the beginning of time. He was there at all creation. And he needs a boat. I mean, he made the trees that made the boat. 
He created all things. And yet Jesus here has three years to get his story out. Because Jesus knows the plan. He knows what's coming. And he's got three short years to get his word out there so that people know and understand what's happening, that the Savior of the world is here. Just think about it, the creator of everything. Let's look at Colossians 1.15. It says, The Son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he needs a boat. I don't know. That just seems interesting to me. He needs a boat. I mean, think about it. Back in Matthew, he was walking on water, remember? I mean, this is a God that could, that could call out to the laws of buoyancy and say, I can walk on water, and walk on water. I mean, if I was Jesus, I'd have just moonwalked back a little bit off the shore. I think people would have listened to him then, wouldn't you think? You know, just walk on water right there, and people are going to listen, but no. No. He wants your boat. He wants your boat, Damon. He wants your boat, Sean. The, boats, the boat represents our capabilities, our abilities. It represents who we are. It represents what we do. And God wants our boat. You say, well, you know, my boat's dirty, Pastor. My, my boat, my, 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 no, no, he don't want my boat. My boat's got holes in it. I, he, he wants your boat with all your dysfunction, with all your brokenness, with all your inability to communicate, with all your dysfunctional things that you do. He still wants your boat. And you know, I think it wasn't that for Peter, Peter needed Jesus' blessing on his boat. That's what Peter needed. Did God really need his boat? No. He wanted Peter's brokenness. He wanted Peter's everything. And he wanted to make a point. He wanted to show you. And he's showing you today. I need your boat. Are you willing to give him yours? Your gifts and talents? Your money? The things that you work hard for? Really? That's what Jesus is looking for here. That's really what this story is all about. Jesus wanted his boat. He wants your boat. He wants your life. Let's look at, look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking to Simon, excuse me, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. In other words, the fish aren't around today. They're not biting today. But because you say so, we'll do it. We'll let down the nets. Yeah, man, we can call them again. We can clean them again. Whatever. This guy, whatever. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Hmm. You see, Jesus, he knows where the catch is. He knows where the fish are at. Why wouldn't you want him in your boat? He knows where the fish are at. He knows how to catch them. You know, I, had, uh, I heard this one preacher say, and it was really, I hope I can repeat it. It was really kind of a cool statement. He said, fishing's kind of like the Holy Spirit. You know, we as fishermen, we, we don't know where the fish are at. But we learn about the fish. We study the fish. We figure out the, the characteristics of the type of fish that we're fishing for. And then we'll go searching them out. And we catch them. Isn't that just like the Holy Spirit? We don't know where he is. We know that he, God says he resides in us, but I don't feel him. But he's there. So the more we study and the more we look, the more we figure out what he's doing and how he's moving, the more we realize that he's right there all the time. So it's much like fishing. The more you study, the better chance you're going to have of making a catch the better chances you're going to find and experience the Holy Spirit because you're studying the Word and you're searching Him out. You're trying to find Him. So verse 7, it says, So they signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so, to the point where they were, began to sink. I could just see these guys paddling into shore and guys running out, grabbing the ropes and grabbing the boats and pulling them in before they went down. This is incredible. When Simon Peter, verse 8, saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet, at Jesus' knees, and said, You just made me a million dollars, Jesus. I'm so excited. Get the scales out. Let's weigh the fish. This is incredible. That's not what he said at all. And it was incredible. It was a huge cash. It was a huge stack of money there. Because God provides. Believe me, these guys had employees. They did. They had employees. There's other scriptures that tells us that there were workers there that worked along with these guys. This was incredible. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. 
from now on, you're going to fish for people. You're going to catch men. You're going to be a fishers of men. So, the message this morning, I know you're all saved. I know y'all. And I love y'all. But does he have your boat? Does he have your boat? Does he have your gifts and talents and your efforts? This is his church, people. And you know what? This is just a building. This is the church within us. This is where we come together and meet. And it's going to require for this church to, to grow. Well, Pastor, I like it just the way it is. Well, I do too. We need young families. We need kids. How many of us will still be here 10 years from now or 20 years from now? You know, I'll be pretty old. And some of you are older than me. We need to reach our community for Christ and we need to, to develop whatever it is we have to develop. He needs our boats. He needs our gifts, our talents, our efforts to put into this body right here. Thank you for an amen. And we need to go to work. We can't just sit here anymore and say, Laura's got it. We, get, we, we can't. She needs help. She needs my help. She needs your help. She runs the, the programs and for the kids, and, and she needs our help. And I realize that we're, we're all getting older, and, and we, we talked to Precious Barbara over the, other, the other month. I said, Barbara, your most important thing to do is to do what you're doing, and that's pray. Because you've served God all these years and you, you could not, we, we can't, you can't, there's so many things you can't do now because of age, because of where we're at. I'm so proud of this Barbara that she's stepping up and going to start mailing out cards. I can't wait till my birthday so I can get a card. I can't wait. You know what? It's important. Every job that we do, every little thing that we get involved in is important. He wants your boat. He doesn't just want you sitting here. He wants your boat. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. Pray. Ask the Lord, what would you have me do? And, and an idea will pop in your head and, and you come and... I was talking to a young lady. I'll share this with you. And, and she just... This young lady, she's not in the program. She actually works at the uh, public defender's office. And I also knew, through other people that knew her, that she was working at Sierra Bible in the children's ministry. And so she's got information I need. <laughs> you know, what are you guys doing? How do you do it? You know? And so I, I caught her and I said, hey, I, I need to talk to you. I, you're not over there anymore. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, hurt feelings, I don't know. It doesn't matter. She's not there anymore. So I invited her to come here. And I said, that's first. And I said, but... I'd love to get together with you and your husband, and I would love to talk about children's ministry because we need help. 
I'm not saying I want you to do it. I'm saying I want ideas. I want fresh look. What are other people doing? And she, and, and she goes, oh, I got some ideas. And, and, and I started to walk away because I didn't have a lot of time. And I said, okay, well, we'll get together sometime. We'll talk about it. And she goes, hey, I got one that might really work for Tuolumne. And I said, oh, what's that? She goes, a free one day a week, three-hour daycare. for single moms and single dads that need to go get groceries. And you watch their kids. Three hours. You give them three hours. You leave at 12, you get them back at three. Free. We'll watch your kids. We have certified, educated, background checked people watching your kids for free. And she said, you watch young people that have kids come to your church. And this is what they will say. If I were to go to church, I think I'd go to one like that. Isn't that a great idea? And it's not that difficult. We can do it and, and start attracting families with kids because we're, we're preparing for them and, and wanting to get something going on in the church so that they'll go, man, that's the kind of church I want to go to. One that cares. One that cares. I was telling Sean that the other day, and he goes, man, I'd love to have three hours to go shopping, man. <laughs> I'd love, you know, because he's taking care of his kids every day, and it's like sometimes just that little bit of time to go to the store, right? Just to get things done. And to know that your kids are safe while you have that opportunity. And she goes, then at the same time, we did it during a ladies' Bible study, so let's say at Wednesday, so that if the people wanted to just stay for Bible study, they could stay and have Bible study, or they could go shopping and, and know their kids are safe. I think that's a great idea. And so I said to Jess, that's the young lady's name, I said, man, we need to talk more. Those are the kind of ideas I'm looking for. I would have never thought of it because I'm old and don't got kids and don't want no more, except yours <laughs> and your grandkids. And Amen? Amen. We all have a boat. And God wants our boat. He needs us to spread the gospel to our community. He's done the work. He's laid it all out before us. And we can do it. And we can watch this place grow. So am I worried when I see T.Y. and Pat leave? And they're not leaving. They're heading out for ministry. No, because that is going to open an opportunity for more people to come. I was praying for you this morning, Garfield, because I hadn't seen you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Because I worry about you. You know, it's like, and it's like, I worry about you, not about here. This is God's. He'll take care of that. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to be together today. Father, bless your people. As people go about their week, I pray that they'll be praying, God, what could I do? What could we do as a group? What, what can we do to enhance families to want to come and be here with us? And we'll put those ideas together, Father, and then you will lead us and direct us. Father, I thank you that I am in my place of rest. 
I'm right where I need to be. And I thank you, Father, for giving me this opportunity. Help me to be the best I can be in it. Bless this place. In Jesus' name, amen.